0: okay shall we um, start with a little background music you'll see how this kicks in later on um, you can't do better than a bit of 1980s electro pop to start your sunday morning can you really? so we'll just let that go on anyway, a little bit quieter cause otherwise we'll get carried away um, I, I have the incredible privilege of seeing each of my four kids born uh, the first one Joshua, is 16 now uh, He was an emergency cesarean, because 24 hours later he was not for leaving the nice, warm, cozy place of the womb. And um, then the other two were natural births, and Alyssa was a water birth. And um, it's a fascinating thing, seeing your child born. But one of the things that you look out for is a cry. Because you know that if this kind of bundle of goo that comes out, um, (laughs) if if it makes a noise, that's a good thing. The ironic thing it's the only time in the entire life of a parent you want it to make a noise. It's the only time you're going to go, I want it to cry, I want it to hear a noise. Every other time you don't want to hear it cry, do you? Oh, just me then, that's a terrible parent, okay that's fine. I'm, I'm, come on, let's be real. None of you are going, please cry baby. Um, a cry is a powerful thing, isn't it? I, I don't know about you, but uh, my kids took me to the edge when they were crying when they were little. They still take me to the edge now when they're 16 and 14, 11 and 8. But, but a cry is a powerful thing. And, and a cry, particularly if you're listening to it on your own and you've done the thing in a little and you're like, well I've done your bum and I've burped you and I've fed you and you've had to sleep, what else can possibly be wrong? And it's like, a, is it just me or is this a deeply challenging thing? Come on, you've done it, haven't you? It's not easy, is it? Okay, good, otherwise this is going to be a long talk. Um, but crying crying for me is, is a fascinating thing and it's crying that I want to talk about this morning. I want to Explore this process of crying, but more than that, I want to explore the cries that go out from our hearts. Whether we physically cry or not isn't really the issue, although as I'll show you in a minute, it may actually be healthy. The issue is that there are cries in our hearts, desires and longings, and and what we think is private pain. Jesus knew what it was to cry tears and to have a deep cry of his heart. We read this about him in the Bible. Have you got it there, Josh, Hebrews 5 and verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him. So if you know what it is to cry, whether literally tears coming down or just having a cry of your heart, and you all look pretty human to me and you are designed to cry, so I think you do, then you're in good company with Jesus because he knows what it's like. So to explore this idea of crying, we're going to link some ideas together. We're going to talk about newborn babies. We're going to talk about Central Europe in the 90s. And we're going to talk about a 1980s electro. Pop band, hence what you can hear in the background, but that's enough of Blue Monday for now, just try. Um, So, newborn babies, Central Europe in the 1990s, electro-pop bands, that's where we're going. And that's all going to help us understand the cry of our hearts. Now, fascinatingly, as humans, we are hardwired to cry. The only beings on the planet to shed emotional tears. And you actually have three types of tears. You have basal tears, which are the ones that kind of keep your eyes moist, which are your... Then you have reflex tears, which are the sort of tears you get when you chop an onion or the wind or the sand gets in your eye. And then you have emotional tears. And these tears are all different. In fact, scientists um, did one study where they kind of caught reflex tears and emotional tears. And they analysed the content of the tears. And reflex tears were generally found to be about 98% water. But in the emotional tears, they found hormones which contained high levels of stress, And an endorphin that reduces pain. Crying literally reduces stress. And there's also a painkiller in those tears. Isn't your body incredible? That it does this sort of stuff. Absolutely incredible. And the the research is is a little bit limited. But what has been done, it seems like you are designed to reduce stress. And a painkiller when you cry. If only we could just cry like that to get rid of our stress and our pain. It would be really good, wouldn't it? But it doesn't seem to work like that. Crying, of course, is the primary communication language of a newborn. And to be honest, it makes sense to cry almost immediately after birth. If you had been in a nice, warm, cosy place and suddenly put in this now not nice, warm, cosy place and been squidged and squashed along the way, you would probably cry as well. But what's fascinating about babies crying, because not, not all babies cry with their first breath after being born. But interestingly, all babies will cry within a few seconds if they're not immediately reunited with their mum. Have you got that next slide, Josh? What's fascinating me about this is that a baby is crying not primarily for its external needs to be met for food or warmth, but, but it's experienced separation. And it wants connection. It wants to go back to where it came from. Because for the first time in its life, it's been separated from mum and actually something inbuilt within its soul wants to be connected back to mum. So as well as all the practical reasons of a mum hugging a newborn um, and it being warm and it being fed and all that, actually there's a deep psychological need for it to be connected back to where it came from. And how true is that of us? Many of the cries of our hearts are to be connected. Sometimes we just want to feel connected to ourselves, to understand what the heck's going on in our minds and bodies. Sometimes we want to feel connected to other people. It's deeply distressing to feel that you're not connected to people, to have that sense of, isolation and loneliness that comes with it perhaps you'd like to feel connected to God and at times you do or perhaps you never have but connection is key for us you see we were never designed to live in isolation from one another or God we were designed for community and family which is why today is so exciting and wonderful because it's about celebrating family it's about celebrating connection it's about celebrating togetherness it's about recognizing the need that it takes a a, a community to raise a child And I know those are not perhaps all that common thoughts today, but I think it's true. I know in my own life, without friends, without grandparents, without aunties, without all sorts of people, I wouldn't be able to raise my children like I do. And I feel for those. I watch and I see those who are are single-parent families or who have come over to this place and don't have an extended family and the danger and the challenge that brings, because we were meant for community. We were not meant for isolation. Jack, of course, is extremely... Blessed, he's born into a loving home with a mum and a dad who are able to care for him and look after him, with tons of people, look at you all here today, for this family. He's a very blessed boy. Of course, not every baby is that blessed. For some babies, their cries for connection go unheard. It was in 1989 that the world heard of what had been happening behind the Iron Curtain, particularly in Romania, under Nicolae Ceausescu. He had, before that, made laws that banned contraception, and said that everyone must have five children because he believed that he wanted uh, economic growth would come through population growth. Of course what happened was lots of those ladies could not look after their children so they gave them in estate state care. In 1989 when the Iron Curtain came down and people went in there were over hundred thousand children looked after by the state. And I use looked after very loosely. This is a, a boy, a two-year-old orphan boy as he lies in hospital in Constanza. Romania in December 1990. It's one of the few pictures I felt I might be able to show you. The rest were too upsetting. But I show it because you can see in his eyes what happens to a child when their cries go unheard. Eventually the cries stop. You can bow. But the silence, the stop of the cry isn't because they've learned they don't need what they want. Babies can't differentiate between wants and needs. What they've learned is they're crying, that biological distress signal, that major way of communicating isn't working. They learn their need is not going to be met. So science steps in again and babies actually put themselves in sort of suspended period of stasis because their body goes, I can't waste more energy crying, I need to conserve my energy to stay alive. So they stop and they go quiet. That's heartbreaking. That a small baby might have to stop their cries because no one has heard them. Or perhaps it might be more accurate to say no one is responding to them. But then think about you and think about not just the physical cry but the cry of your heart. Think about your desires. Think about what you'd like to see happen. It's very easy to think that we are not hurt because nobody seems like they've responded, that no one sees our pain and our tears. But we read these words in the Bible. God said, I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. And then to somebody else, says, I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. You may feel that no one understands, that no one's heard your private tears, your private pain. Many of us live with things that we never share with anybody. But I want to tell you this morning God has heard your pain and God has seen your tears. I want you to know that you are always heard. The God I know has heard you, He has watched every tear and heard every cry. He understands and sees every broken heart, He's seen your tears and he knows all about your pain. You see, very often we live alone in our private pain and and tears, but you need to know this morning, you are not alone. We all think it's just us. There's just us in this place, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and nobody's ever going to hear us, and we don't share it, because then we'd look weak, and then who would know what to say, and then it might get worse, so we just hold it all in, deep inside us. But I want to tell you, you're not alone. I've been in that place myself, and I've talked to many other people who are in that place, so you are not alone in that place. There's a fantastic book in the Bible all about cries and pain called Lamentations. And in it, the writer expresses how she feels about pain. Is it nothing to you all who pass by? Look around and sees any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted upon me. And she's kind of in this place of going, is it, is it like anybody's, the, the cat, anything like me? My pain must be unique and terrible. What's the answer to that question? <coughs> well, the answer to the question is, no, there's no suffering like your suffering. There's no pain like your pain. And here's why. Very often we tend to compare pain, either to minimize it and pretend we don't need to deal with it or to maximize it to get more attention and sympathy. But pain cannot be compared because it's unique to you and your circumstances. It's your pain, therefore, it's unique. And it's your life, and it's your story, and it's your journey. Therefore, it's yours, therefore, it is unique. See, when you carry pain, two things are true at the same time. Lots of people have suffered in this exact same way, and yet no one has suffered in this exact same way. It's totally unique in the history of the world, and yet there's nothing remotely unique about it. See, often we minimise our pain because we know how blessed we are, and we are incredibly blessed, aren't we? We're among the most blessed people on the face of the earth in our nation, in our country, and I know it's got its troubles and its difficulties, and you, like me, will have all your troubles and difficulties, but when we get down to the basics, you have clothes on today, and you came from a house, and you've probably had some breakfast, and you're going to go and have some lunch, and you've probably got a roof over your head, which means you are one of the most blessed people on the face of the earth. But that's not to minimise the reality of your pain, because your pain is real. In one says it's a good thing to know how blessed you are, but it can also mean you push your pain down and don't deal with it, which is dangerous. And it's important for someone to acknowledge our pain. If you read on in lamentations, that's what happens, that somebody else comes along and acknowledges their pain. And this morning, I want to acknowledge it for you. I want to acknowledge your pain this morning, because you are human, therefore you've got some. And I want to let you know that God has seen it. And on his behalf, I want to acknowledge that truth. That I also want to acknowledge and share with you a great truth. Because the first step is to acknowledge that there's some pain there but the greater truth is that I have found in the person of Jesus not just someone who helps me acknowledge it but someone who heals it. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I think he's fabulous. He's the most gentle, caring, welcoming, forgiving, gracious person ever and he has healed me of so much pain. He wants to heal yours too. The song I played at the beginning anybody know what it was by the way? I know you'd know. It was, it was Blue Order by the... No, it wasn't Blue Order. It was Blue Monday by the Banyu Order. It speaks of pain, being used, and not being able to find the right words. In another song by New Order called Shell Shock, they pen these words. Another day goes by, and all I do is cry. All I get from you is shell shock. I tell the world and save my soul, but rain falls down and I feel cold. A cold that sleeps within my heart. It tears the earth and sun apart. I tell you about these songs and these lyrics because... Sometimes we don't know how we feel, but we find it helpful for someone else to give a voice to our pain. Sometimes we read something and we go, actually, that is how I feel about certain things. And it resonates. I also refer to them because the Bible speaks of a different sort of new order. It tells us what Jesus wants to do for us, not just in heaven, but right here on earth, right today. We read these words about Jesus. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You see, one of the wonderful things about Jesus is that he brings a new order. His order is not pain. His order is not crying. His order is not sorrow. His order is joy and healing. Healing for our wounds. Healing for our tears. Healing for our cries. And he's the only person that can do that. I've talked to many, many people in the last 13 years of being here and they've told me about all sorts of things they've tried and ultimately they realize that Jesus is the one who can actually heal it. Lots of things put it to one side, lots of things mask it, lots of things allow you to carry on living life, but if you actually want to be healed of it, you need Jesus. The exciting thing for you this morning is that Jesus is always wanting to bring new order into lives. And whether Jesus is somebody you are familiar with or whether you are sceptical about, you need to know he is not sceptical of you. He wants to heal your pain. But he's a real gentleman. He won't barge his way in, so we have to ask him. You see, it's my prayer that little Jack and all our kids, and all of you, go through as little pain as possible. But it may well be, it probably will be, because of the world we live in and the choices people make, that we will experience some form of pain along the way. So it's wonderful to know that there is healing, that there is restoration, that there is recovery, and that there is redemption. Musicians, would you just come up? We'll do pieces. I want to very simply give you the opportunity to exchange your pain for Jesus' healing. I'm not going to ask you to move from your seat or put your hand up or in any way identify yourself because your pain may be very private. It may be something you never even mentioned to anybody else. And I don't want to rob you of the opportunity. And I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to ask Jesus to meet you where you're at. And if you want to meet Jesus, if you'd like him to take that pain, then just as I pray, just say thank you. That's all you've got to do. He's not up for putting barriers. He wants to be with you and he wants to meet you, and he wants to help. It might be the first time you've ever done this, it might be something you're used to doing, either way, the Jesus I know is in the healing people. If you read through the Bible of what he did everywhere he walked to heal people, often that was of external pain, but Jesus wants to heal our internal pain just as much. So you stay right where you are, I'm gonna pray in a minute, would you all bow your heads? And I'm gonna believe that as I pray this, If you would like to exchange some of your pain for his joy, all you have to do is say thank you. Let's just bow our heads. Jesus, I thank you that you know pain. You experience pain and loss, and you fervent cries and tears. You can empathize with our pain. And I ask right now that you would meet those who want to be met by you. That you would touch them in ways only you know how, and that you would exchange pain for healing as you promised you would do. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now these guys are just going to sing a song. The words are on the screen. Join if you want. We can stay seated or you might just want to take a moment. But I believe Jesus wants to heal. And he wants to introduce himself. And I don't want to steal away from that opportunity for you.